Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Today, I'm really excited to have one of my favorite people that I've ever met in football, Roberta Anding. She is a registered dietitian who is a professor at Rice University. I met her with the Texans, where she spent 12 years as their RD. She worked for the Houston Ballet for 15 years and the Houston Astros for five years. And of course, Rice University Athletics. Roberta, I'm, I'm so happy to see you in your kitchen, where apparently I'm, yeah. I'm guessing you, uh, you cook all kinds of amazing things. I do cook amazing things, and this is my nutrition command center is my kitchen table. Well, how how have your athletes done during the quarantine and then the semi-quarantine and all of that? I'm imagining you're seeing like a broad spectrum of the good and the bad. Yeah, broad spectrum. Uh, I'm going to say being sequestered and being home for a lot of athletes who weren't able to train, you can imagine the the hit on their body composition. If you don't have a gym, you don't have a place to work out. So that there was a lot of that going on. Also, I think with the restrictions, there were a lot of people who might have been on a little bit of a fringe of having disordered eating that now full-blown eating disorders. So yeah. I think you see the spectrum. That's what I, I wondered about that, because if you have a little bit of that, I don't want to misuse the term OCD, but there's that kind of fastidiousness about your diet and everything, I guess, to be to be in isolation like that, especially some people that just um, they kind of just they, they probably short circuit. Right. Yeah. Pushes them over the edge um, because there's so much with this virus no one can control. But if you can control your eating that at least makes you feel a little bit more powerful in a situation where most people actually feel powerless. Um, so yeah, I've, I've seen not only with collegiate athletes, but high school athletes as well. I'm getting lots of phone calls on, oops, my son or daughter has taken their quote unquote diet too far and they don't know how to stop. How, what is the, is there a difference with an athlete per se versus somebody that is doing it who maybe is a non-athlete who's more motivated by appearance compared to an athlete who might be more motivated by performance is there is there a difference in psychology and how you how you handle that oh yeah big difference and you know this from just being in the world of coaching that oftentimes a coach may say something not meaning to be disparaging but it comes across as disparaging and you know how it is in football i remember one of our uh, Texans being told he was 12 biscuits over a load. And so meaning lose some body fat. I do think 
Some people are really vulnerable to feedback like that. So I think coaches also in this pandemic want to be able to control something. So they want to make sure that their athletes have a really desirable body composition, not understanding it's more than just scale weight. It's how much lean weight do you have? How how much fat weight do you have? All of those things that go into being um, the best athlete possible. So I do think there are athletes that got feedback from coaches. Don't, I'll use the, the word that I heard, don't get fat during the pandemic. Don't avoid the quarantine 15. You take super competitive people and you give them a job to do. And oftentimes that job goes off the rails. Yeah, no kidding. So as you, as, as kids got back to school this year, have you had to spend way more time kind of counseling that side of it than usual? A lot more time, a yeah. lot more time. And again, not, not necessarily full-blown eating disorders, but this disordered eating that, well, I'm not training at the same number of hours per week. So I really need to cut back on my food and now being uh, flat out underfueled, fatigued during workouts, all the things that go along with underfueling. Yeah. And I could see how, <laughs> I mean, cause you, you, I got that feeling the first couple months of the pandemic where you almost feel like, well, I'm, I'm basically my own little submarine here. I'm yeah. going to see how well, well, I'm going to see how well I can do on 2,500 calories a day. And I'll just ride the bike for like three hours. And, you know, within two days I was like, uh, I was, it was like the shining almost. I was my, I, 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 my wife, my wife doesn't know how close I came to just absolutely snapping. So I, I can appreciate what, what that's like. Um, I, I saw somebody the other day test positive for steroids and, they're blaming some contaminated supplements they had taken. And I, I feel like these days people have gotten so jaded about it that most people hear that and they automatically assume the athlete is lying Mm -hmm. where the stats are, the stats are pretty scary, right? When it comes to how many supplements actually are contaminated. And right now where kids and athletes don't have as much supervision, there probably have been more instances of people just taking something that they ordered online, right? Yeah. And when you look at the high risk supplements, it's ones that either tell you you're going to lose body fat or you're going to gain lean body mass. So when you start looking at some of the websites like protein power and um, uh, bodybuilding.com, you can actually buy illegal compounds on there that'll cause a positive drug test. So when you have people who are saying, okay, well, during this pandemic, what I'm really going to do is I'm going to get really ripped. And certainly they wouldn't be selling me something that is going to cause a positive drug test is really the, uh, a false narrative. You really need to be very careful. Um, you know, the supplement companies, their job is not to protect your nutritional status or your um, job security. It's to sell you product. And that's, that's what you see. And high schoolers are really vulnerable with that. And plus you can order all this stuff online and just have it delivered right to your house. You don't have to yeah. go out and get it. Yeah. And the, and I had never really thought about this until I was reading an article that I, I, I went down a Twitter hole uh, based on one of your tweets and I got into, Oh yeah, it's not just athletes, obviously it's anybody whose hormones are affected by this. And especially I'd imagine women who might take something that's spiked with a, with a steroid mm-hmm. and that's just got to wreak havoc on them. It does. And you know, where would, would you ever recommend outside of a medical necessity? Would you recommend that a woman take an anabolic male hormone? Where, where would you recommend that? And then of course the potential is they become amenorrheic. They lose their menstrual cycle that you can develop facial hair you can develop male pattern baldness. 
all of the things that are signs and symptoms of testosterone use or abuse, but you didn't know that you were taking it. You didn't know that you were taking it. And so to me, that's the real tragedy here is you can, you can get this kind of stuff online, over the counter, delivered to your home. And unless you're really savvy, you don't know what you're taking. Well, that's where you were so cool about it because we're going back to 2002 when a lot of dietitians at that time almost, I th- as I recall it, tried to take a head in the sand mentality of, hey, athletes, just don't take any of these protein powders and don't take creatine and don't take anything else because, um, you know, it might be contaminated where you said, look, guys are going to take it. Let's right. figure out exactly where we can get the pure stuff and where right. we can get the medical grade stuff. Yeah. And so we did for a long time at the Texans, we stepped over dietary supplements and used medical grade products, meaning that if you were in an intensive care unit in Houston, this is the quality of product that you would use. And I was, um, and still am a really big fan of a medical food called Juven. And it really is designed to prevent muscle protein breakdown with injury. And at one point, the Texans were the number one um, consumer of Juven in the Texas Medical Center. We used a lot of that product just because I needed to make sure we could give you guys something that was going to be beneficial, but wasn't going to trigger a positive drug test. And so, yeah, you can't stick your head in the sand. People are always going to use stuff. And even the stuff that we thought was maybe not advantageous, like creatine, has come back to be advantageous in a lot of different ways. Yeah, I actually wanted to get to that. I'll jump to that right now because um, creatine, who like I, I was like a, a creatine first adopter. I, I started taking creatine <laughs> in 1996. Wow. And you know, I was like, I respond to it big time. I remember that was the year I went from like 265 to 285 in football. My going from, I think my sophomore to my junior year in college. And, and I got stronger. I got faster. And up to that point, there really had been, I mean, there wasn't as much uh, research on protein supplementation at that point. And there had never been anything that works as quick as creatine. So that right. just kind of took everything by storm. But now again, I, I read the things that you've put out there and, um, and some of the stuff I've learned about neurodegenerative diseases and how NFL players study from it. And they're, they're finding a lot more of like mental and brain benefits for it. Oh, no doubt. And when you look at creatine, I think that the problem that the supplements always had is the way that it's been dosed, that you take a loading dose, you know, maybe 20 grams for five days, and then you taper, which really makes it sound like an anabolic steroid, but it isn't. It's just to saturate those tissues with creatine and then you don't quite need as much for maintenance. So over 200 clinical papers talking about the safety and efficacy, it doesn't wreck your kidneys, it doesn't cause kidney disease, and some of these things just don't go away, but the neurodegenerative stuff is impressive. That you, know, if you take enough creatine that you can actually promote brain health, and so it is in my concussion protocol. You have a concussion, you take creatine. And, and, you know, oh, so immediately afterwards you're taking yeah. creatine and there's, and then they're finding that, that does it help you recover faster or, or that's the thought Seth. And I think some of this is just in its infancy, but if you look at some of the, the research, like on Parkinson's disease and other neurodegenerative diseases, you're starting to see creatine kind of infiltrate that as a modality. So it makes sense to me that if your brain can use creatine and it needs creatine, 
doesn't not make sense that you would want to take it. The biggest issue has always been, does that creatine cross what is known as the blood-brain barrier? Does it actually get to the brain? And you're probably going to have to take a bigger dose in order to facilitate that. But I am, I, I've been looking at this for maybe five or six years about the role, um, for, particularly for NFL players. Mm-hmm. This Is there going to be some benefit with all the concussions that whether you know you've had them or not, that you sustained in your playing career, is it advantageous? And I would say if it was my son, I would say absolutely take creatine. Absolutely take creatine. I'm going to have to add that to the the program because I see this is what I'm doing right now for uh, hopefully either preventing or diminishing or, or uh, at least uh, decreasing my risk of neurodegenerative disease is um, I'm not doing creatine. I, I take a ton of fish oil per your recommendations going a few years back. And the biggest thing that's it, probably helped my overall health in the last three months, especially since I got serious in the pandemic um, was just just completely eliminating added sugar to the diet and, mm-hmm. and refined sugar. Cause that's where, I mean, I, what I try to tell players, former players, cause you, you see this Roberta, some of the retired players start to get this feeling like, Oh, well I'm doomed anyway. So why bother? And they start drinking and they don't watch their diet and all that. But there are, there are like 10 different risk factors for neurodegenerative disease, which include diabetes, blood pressure, blood lipids, all those things that are very controllable and head trauma is just, just one of those things. So I've tried to kind of, I, there's nothing I can do about my previous head trauma, but there's a lot of ways I can, I can hit all those other gophers on their heads as, uh, as, as we go down. Yep. And, um, but the fish oils, where are we on fish oil? Cause we talked like two years ago and I've had a bunch of listeners say that ever since we talked that you, they've been, they've been doing a bunch of fish oil since the, they heard from Roberta Anding. Well, I, I think the, with any supplement, you're always going to find things in the literature that say pro and con. And there was a study, I'm going to say reasonably poorly designed, linking fish oil with different forms of cancer. And probably in in part, if you're looking at the reasons why fish oil really does improve insulin sensitivity. And some of this, um, does it cause cancer or not cause cancer has to do with, are you sensitive or not sensitive to insulin, all the physiology behind that. But if you look at the bulk of the evidence, the bulk of the evidence is it is a fabulous anti-inflammatory. It really um, does help with reducing um, any kind of inflammation that is chronic from what we consider to be a standard American diet. So to me, um, this is one of my go-tos. The problem, and we've talked about this before, is people take just too small of a dose. If you need 3,000 and you take 500, 500 isn't going to do you any good. You really need to up that. But to your point, it's one of the strategies to promote overall health, along with lower sugar intake, lower glycemic index, um, more of a Mediterranean type diet profile is, I think, what um, the science is leading us to. That's where I, uh, you know, and I, you know, I love to dabble and I love to experiment mm-hmm. with different things. And I've done, I've done the keto thing like two or three times, which is I can do keto as long as I'm not actually working out. And I think it's the best <laughs> thing in the world. And then I start when I try to be active with keto, I don't think I'm just, I, I, I think a true believer would say, I don't have the discipline, but I think I'm just not biologically wired to, to do Most keto. Most yeah. People. Well, even remember you listened to me with Brian uh, talking to former Texans player, Brian Peters, who's, who's very low carbohydrate, but 
he'll even say, yeah, during the season or when he's working out really intensely. And that's, and he's probably one of the most disciplined people I've ever met. He yeah. needs a few hundred, 200, I think he said 200 grams of carbohydrates a day, which but is quality matters, right? So yeah. you can have um, 200 grams of carbohydrate and make it things like um, sweet potatoes and brown rice and whole wheat bread, oatmeal, quality carbohydrates. It doesn't have to be cookies, candies, cakes, and pies. Um, to get that done. So I think it really depends on the source of carbohydrate. And to me, that's a smart strategy. If you're going to train really hard, carbohydrates, the fuel of exercising muscle, you can't really change that physiology because you want it to be something different, but quality always matters. So with the fish oil, you, you, you recommend for most people, 3000 milligrams a day. Depends on your size. So if it's, if it's a, a woman listening to this, to me, it's around 2000 and 2000. Um, it's not just 2000 milligrams of fish oil. It's 2000 milligrams of the rock stars in fish oil. And those rock stars go by the abbreviation EPA and DHA. So you can look at something and it says total omega threes, but then the real magic is how much is EPA and DHA. And that's usually it's going to be kind of dissected out for you. So it's 2000 milligrams of EPA and DHA for bigger people. I'd say most men, 3000 to 4,000. And then if you start looking at people over 300 pounds, it could be five, 6,000. And you think, oh my God, that's huge. But a piece of salmon, the size of my hand is 3000. Yeah. So it's not, it it sounds like a lot, right? 6,000 milligrams of fish oil. But relatively speaking, compared to food, it's not excessive amount. And I hadn't realized either that they found some muscle building benefits to fish oil. Yeah, I oh, had absolutely. zero clue about that. Yeah. So you and you've heard about this for years, you know, that you drink chocolate milk instead of white milk because it promotes recovery better. And the reason is that little bit of sugar improves carbohydrate delivery to the cell. Fish oil does improve that cellular sensitivity. So for folks that say, you know, I've tried creatine, I'm doing that, I'm doing vitamin D, I'm doing the rest of this, still think, what else could there be? There's a great researcher by the name, I think his name is Chris McGlory, M-C-G-L-O-R-Y, that has really looked at the role of fish oil in muscle protein synthesis. And the data is pretty compelling. The data is really pretty compelling. So to me, it does improve muscle protein synthesis by allowing that insulin binding mechanism to work a little bit better and getting those amino acids into the cell more effectively. That's um, that's really cool. I need to get Brandy on that. I'm, I'm pretty good about taking my fish oil, but I lose sight of it at times. And this is what's working for me lately, Roberta, with all my like health issues. I try to find like the most immediate short-term benefit there is to something and focus Mm -hmm. on that. And I find that motivates me. So like, if I think, Oh, okay, this is going to help me recover today from my workout, then I'll get the long-term benefits from fish oil. And that's all great. But I'm very, um, I'm, I'm very, I'm a very simple person. I need like a short-term reward. So I'll, if I, yeah, yeah. Everybody does. Everybody does. So if I say eating well is going to, um, help you in your 60s, 70s and beyond. Well, for most people, that's like, so wait a minute, I got to wait 30 years and I'm not willing to wait 30 years. And that's why creatine obviously was so successful. You could go take creatine and go into the weight room and get one more. 
Yeah. You could get one more. So you saw the benefits right away where fish oil, the best benefit for fish oil is what you may notice is in the short run, you're going to notice less inflammation, less joint pain, less joint tenderness. And that's, that's the immediate, the long-term benefit is for your brain and for muscle protein synthesis. But in the short run, I'll have athletes tell me, yeah, I started taking fish oil and I wasn't so sore the next morning. I felt better the next morning. And that's the anti-inflammatory effects of fish oil. Which is nice because that's like saying, okay, here's an Advil, except instead of tearing apart your gut lining, it's doing Mm -hmm. the exact opposite. That's really cool. Yeah. I read this book called um, Spark by James Rady, I think is his name. And it's all about the short-term benefits of exercise, especially on the brain, because it just floods your brain with dopamine and it heightens your dopamine sensitivity um, and and all these other neurotransmitters. And and ever since I read that book, it's been like, I know you know that I've always been somewhat disciplined before. It's been like, I'm... I feel like a healthy compulsion to exercise in the morning because I feel like that's my, that's my performance enhancer for the day. Like that's my, like, I'm going to be better on the radio. If I have my exercise in the morning, I'm going to be more emotionally stable. It, it mood stabilizes all of that. Um, and I don't even think about it anymore in terms of what I, why I need to do it long-term or how it helps my, my body weight or anything. It's just completely, nope, it's going to be, it's going to help me out in the next 12 hours. Oh, no, no doubt. And I think that's, Again, that short-term reward that all of us need. I know during the pandemic, I told my husband this the other day, I said, what I really miss is I really miss going to the gym. And the the reason I miss it is I, from a mental health standpoint, a hard kind of Dan Riley high intensity workout, I felt better. I felt energized. I felt happier. So I said, I'm going to have to create a Dan Riley workout in my home. Cause I don't know that I, I want to go back to the gym with the, <laughs> some of the crazies I've seen there. But um, I, I think for all of us, that short-term benefit that once you can focus on that and just stick with it on a day-to-day basis, you get the long-term benefits without that necessarily being your focus. Yeah. And how do you balance that with Cause that's the other thing I've realized is I've tried to take this more short-term approach and it, and, and it's, the problem with losing weight is that you don't, you know, except for, you know, if you cut carbs, you'll lose a bunch of water weight immediately. Right. But in terms right. of like actual substantial long-term weight loss, how do you manage that? Because somebody might have a goal where they need to lose a hundred pounds. They, they need to stay motivated for that long-term goal, but yeah. just, I guess you just try to sell them on those short-term benefits. Yeah. And so using that example of someone who needs to lose a hundred pounds, to me, that is slightly different because I need to see the short-term success. So if I said, I'm going to cut your calories by 500 and oh, by the way, it's going to take you two and a half years to do this. Most people aren't going to have a tolerance for that. But I had a, a dear friend of mine who is my height, five foot four, and she weighed 425 pounds. And I needed her to be motivated. I needed her to buy into it for the long run. So I did put her on a low carbohydrate diet. She lost 40 pounds the first month, and then I transitioned her off to something that would be a little bit more sustainable for her, but she had tried everything possible with no success. So I do think that short-term benefit sometimes has to be manipulated just for what you said. If I put you on a low-carbohydrate diet, you're going to lose a lot of water weight. And that's what all of the major programs out there do. There's some reduction in carbs to get you to buy in. It's the hook. It's the hook, but the reason they're not successful long-term 
is because there's no transition to something more sustainable. There's no, that becomes your one tool in your toolbox, right? It's like, oh, even cut even more carbs or be stricter with it and let's lose incrementally more water weight. And that's Mm -hmm. what, well, and is that, from what I've read, it seems like, you know, people realize and understand, okay, exercise isn't necessarily the most important thing or even a, a critical thing in losing weight, but in maintaining weight loss, that's where the exercise really kicks in. And that, no that's kidding. all part of the healthy lifestyle. No kidding. And so when you see people say, well, I'm going to lose weight um, by walking 10,000 steps a day. No, you're not. No, you're not. For exercise to be considered part of the weight loss equation, most of the research is going to say 15 to 20,000 steps per day. Well, that's a huge, a huge commitment in terms of time, right? 20,000 steps is plus or minus 10 miles. So you may not with your job have the ability to do that. But if you consider for every mile you walk, you burn about 100 calories. Why not cut 500 out of your diet, equivalent to five mile walk, and then continue to exercise, as you said, for the long-term benefits, as well as weight maintenance. The other piece of this though, is you know this um, as someone who's lifted your whole life, when you lift and gain lean body mass, a lot of people can't tolerate seeing a weight gain on the scale. They can't tolerate it. Yeah. So they'll say, okay, something's wrong with my body. No, your body is great. You just, you just gained 10 pounds of lean. And I had a, a thrower at rice. That's exactly what happened to her. She lost 10 pounds of body fat, gained 10 pounds of lean body mass, and was so disappointed that she didn't see the needle move until she saw her body composition. So I think that's, that's the other missing piece is it's not just diet and exercise, but what's happening on the inside with your body comp. Well, and I guess that's, that's one of the other things I wanted to ask you about, because I know you've done a whole, you've done a lot of work with vitamin D deficiency, and you've done a lot of work with body composition. And and the hardest part about body composition for a lot of people is just getting a measurement of it, right? So what do you, what's your, cause I watch, <laughs> I just, I, it's one of my little joys is to watch some of these box opening things that people do on social media, but yeah. I like finding the people that are doing a box opening of, um, a bio impedance scale, mm-hmm. because it's, it's always some shredded dude who's probably got, you know, by skin caliper, like 5% body fat. And I love seeing him step on this thing and be like, well, it says 15%, but that's clearly wrong. So uh, yeah, as they're trying to pedal and still get their commission. Um, yeah, we, because they still do have value, right? Even though the number isn't what you want to look at. Um, they do have value. The biggest issue with bioelectrical impedance, and that's all of the home scales that will link with your Apple Watch. All of those are some technology of bioelectrical impedance. The limitation of that is and it depends on the device, but the limitation is if you're dehydrated, you show up on a bioelectrical impedance scale as fatter. So you can watch those numbers based on your hydration bounce all over the place. And from your mental health, that's really not very helpful. So in Houston heat and humidity, I wouldn't recommend that as your primary gauge of body composition. Um, I mean, today in Houston, it's going to be 80. So when you think about it, November, and it's still 80, if you're dehydrated, then you're going to show up as fatter and you might not be. Some of the um, other limitations, depending on the scale, is it is a weak electrical current that circulates through your body. Now, you don't feel it. It's like equivalent to a dead nine volt battery. But at your height, 
that current has to go all the way up and back down and you're too tall for that to be effective. Oh, you're too tall. So some of the other ones like in body and other ones where you not only stand on a scale, but hang on, you're basically trying to undo that, that limitation. So I think if you're short, it probably is okay. And if you stay hydrated, like any body composition, the best use of it is change over time, but you just know you got to be hydrated when you step on the scale and if you're really tall, probably not going to get terribly accurate measures unless you're using one of the handheld ones. So you try to keep it consistent and have yeah. the same level of hydration in the morning or whatever. There you go. Yeah, I've noticed that about the hydration. I have one just because I've had it forever and I don't I don't really pay attention to it other than it's I'm curious, except I've noticed that I'll lose weight in just in general. If I like let's say I lost 15 pounds, even if I know I'm dehydrated. It's some, after I've lost that body weight, it'll actually show me as more hydrated than mm. my standard. Like I might be a standard, I don't know, a hydration level of, I can't even remember what numbers use, like 40, 54%. And I'll like steadily, as I'm losing weight, it'll go higher and higher and higher, even if I'm in the same level every morning, which yeah. is just one of the, one of the little idiosyncrasies about it. It is. And so again, a lot of it just depends on what your tolerance is. And then probably the best measures are the ones that are outside of your home. Uh -huh. So you can certainly do hydrostatic weighing, which is submerging in a tank. And you, you might remember when Reliance Stadium was being built, we could have put anything in there. But we asked players, would they get submerged in a tank? And if you don't swim, it's like, no. Mm -hmm. Do not tell me I'm, you're gonna sink me underwater when I don't swim. So hydrostatic weighing, underwater weighing is one that is, is considered to be a gold standard. Um, DEXA is another one and DEXA gives you the advantages of also being looking at your bone density. DEXA can also tell you, um, where your lean mass is and isn't. So say for example, um, with your injury history, you could have a right side limitation in terms of your lean mass, just because of your hip issue. And you're going to see that on, on a DEXA. You're going to see that maybe your right leg has less lean body mass than your left leg based on injury. So DEXA can tell you where your lean mass is and where your fat is. Bod pod, um, to me, is a nice compromise between the two. Bod pod is quick and easy. You don't have to be submerged. It's time efficient. You're only in there 90 seconds um, you can't be seven foot two and get in there because there's a size limitation. 350 pounds is probably the biggest person I've ever put in. Oh, but wow. in 90 seconds, I can tell you how much of your muscle, how much of your weight is muscle, how much isn't. And that's still the standard that's being used at the NFL combine. So that's one of the reasons we had it at the Texans um, because it was a combine standard. And then um, that's the one we have at Rice. We have and, a lot at rice. And that one's not bad because they have the big window on the front. So yeah. you don't feel, and it's not, it doesn't latch shut. You, know, you always have the feel that I don't, even though you, you can get out, actually, but you feel like you could. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know what? I, you you know what I just, I, I've had a lot of MRIs in my life, Roberta, and I don't know what took so long for this to happen, but now the last couple I've been in, they just have a little mirror like right above your face. So you can see down your legs into the outside 
and it makes all the difference in the world. Yeah. It's just crazy. And the tech I was talking to said, yeah, it was, you know, we spent all this time trying to get bigger tubes for people and they'd still be claustrophobic. And all it takes is this little window to be yeah. able to well, see outside. Yeah. And, and that's, I'm going to say that's the great news about MRIs because when I've had them done, I literally can't open my eyes because then I would be so claustrophobic. It's like, no, get me out of here. I can't tolerate this. So I just have to close my eyes and meditate and pray and all those other things because it was just way too stressful. So that mirror idea sounds like a, a great option. But body comp to me, when you're athletic, you don't have to be a pro athlete to get this done. But if you're athletic or you're really trying to change your body composition, lose body fat, you really want to make sure that you're assessing your body comp. Um, it's a little bit more problematic in COVID to find places who will do it. In Houston, there's a couple places where people can get a pod done, um, but a lot of those um, gym options have dried up. Yeah. Roberta, uh, I really appreciate it. I think uh, every time I, that I get around to doing my podcast consistently, I love having you on. So uh, now now I, I have an employee now, so now I have to be consistent because um, because I'm paying somebody. So and I can't I can't be the irresponsible one in the in the relationship. So um, I really appreciate it. I'm going to tell everybody more about Dan Riley that you referenced. He was the Texans first strength coach and he's a legend in the community. And, and we're going to have him on again at some point. So I, uh, I really appreciate it. Our listeners love you. Yeah. Thanks so much, Seth. I always enjoy visiting with you. All right. Thanks, Roberta. Okay. Take care. Okay. Picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. <laughs> 